You're now listening to Your Real Money Stories podcast. I tried to call her again. Again, it didn't go through. And she just said, there's no money left in the account. And I was like, show me the statement. And at that point, my stomach started to drop because I was like, obviously, I'm quite detailed. Like I said, so I was like, this doesn't make sense. And we're bearing in mind, we're two weeks before. So like people have booked flights from America, from Australia, like different places to come. So I'm like, uh, send me the statement. Hi guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Eve. And I'm Nick. And we are the Money Medics. And we're your hosts of Your Real Money Stories. An original podcast series brought to you in association with Zopa. The podcast where we'll be giving you the unfiltered truth about money through anonymous confessions and unfiltered opinions. As well as providing useful information and resources for each topic we discuss. And we have to say, this isn't financial advice. These are just our views. So today we'll be talking about lying about your finances to your partner, specifically when it comes to planning your wedding, which many of us know can be extremely, extremely stressful. Nick and I, we got married around this time last year and boy, oh, anyway, let me not go there. So as per usual, there'll be three sections to the podcast. First, we'll hear a personal story from our anonymous guests. Then we'll discuss our own opinions and at the very end, we have some very useful tips and resources. So today we've got Jack joining us. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course, he's anonymous. That is not his real name. Okay. Um, But yeah, thank you so much, Jack, for joining us. How's your day today, by the way, now that we're kind of half released from lockdown? Have you done anything nice? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Thank you. No, I mean, I was just working, so it wasn't massively um nice but uh yeah so let's go straight into your story so tell me a bit about what about your story and how did you and your previous partner meet yeah so we met at church um we were friends for a really long time like even in our teenage years we kind of met in our teenage years um and then when I was about 21 or 20 and she was about 25 we our friendship developed into a bit like like a romantic relationship um yeah that's how we met but we were friends for a good six seven years before that yeah wow so you guys were you guys knew each other for a very very long time so um if you don't mind me asking so you guys you said your relationship turned into something a bit more serious in your early 20s if you don't mind me asking, how much were you both earning around that time when things started to get a bit more serious? Yeah, so I was on like a internship kind of salary. So I think I was on about 23K at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she was freelance. Um, so I don't know the figure that she was on at the time, which is kind of, I mean, it'll all, <laughs> you'll all learn the story. So I don't know is the answer. I don't know, what she, I don't know how much she was earning at the time. No, that's that's completely fine. Um, And I guess, like, from your perspective, before you guys started getting serious, did you guys talk about finances in the relationship? Um, Not really. And I think that was probably part of the problem. I think it was for us, and I think maybe in the the church kind of community where we kind of met, finances was a bit of a taboo. Um, So we didn't really discuss it that much. Obviously, we spoke about work, and that was obviously super transparent. Um, it wasn't like a no-go topic, like we don't talk about it for a specific reason, but it didn't, it, I think we were, I mean, we were very young 
Um, and I think at that time, it wasn't an active part of conversation. We didn't really openly discuss, but obviously if, if I'd have, I've had asked and she'd have asked, it would have been an open answer, if that makes sense. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting that it's a taboo topic in church as well. But so while you guys were dating... Like, how did you arrange finances between yourselves? So, like, when you go on dates, is it that you'll pay, she'll pay? Like, how did you organise that between yourselves? Because we spent a lot of time, like, with friends and stuff, we set a certain day of the month that we would do, it like, a date night almost, that we would particularly leave that. We'd obviously see each other other times, but, like, that month would be, like, like a priority date. And I would usually pay, like, 90% of the time. She'd obviously occasionally organize the odd, the odd day and I, it was kind of we went down the like the path of whoever organizes it pays for it that's kind of how we flowed so I kind of want to know so during that time like you know um when you guys were dating and getting to know each other um how would you say like your attitude to money was and did you have an idea of what like your partner's attitude to money was um, during that time as well? I'm quite an intense person. So my attitude has always been quite detailed, to be honest. And I've always put a lot of pressure on myself to like do as best as I can. Um, and I think that's kind of been my approach, not just with finances, but with kind of a lot of things. So when it comes to finances, I was, and even as we stepped into like further elements of our relationship, I was always probably the most detailed one. But when it comes to my ex-partner's stance, I think I, I think our scenarios were very different. Like I grew up um, in the Midlands and I had to come down to London when I was like 14 by myself to train in like performing arts. So I used to pay by myself. So I used to get a paper round to be able to pay my train fare to come up and do class, if that makes sense. So I've, oh. from a young age, always had this kind of tenacity to like, get about it um her scenario was a bit different she um her parents like lived in london so she stayed with her parents until we ended up getting married so she was at home a lot so i think the need to maybe be self-sufficient wasn't as primary in her focus financially um and then she went to uni a bit later so then again you know she was kind of maybe relying on student finance so I i don't think she had to have the maybe the kick up the bum to like get about it maybe is maybe her oh. perspective i don't know on this area i'm a, I'm a little bit lost about her perspective because this was a recurring issue no no i completely understand that and so like so like in terms of like going back to the wedding like how did those conversations go about wedding finances like were you both on the same page or were there any disagreements early on in planning the finances? How did how were things shared and how did that go about? Yeah, so essentially we spoke about marriage way before I proposed. Um, like I said, we grew up in, uh, we were very active in the church community where a lot of our friends who were similar age, like quite young, were getting married. And so it was a, it was a focus for us. It was something that we both wanted to do and was quite clear. Um, and so naturally I like planned to propose and did the whole engagement propose. She said, yes. And then from there we had a 10 month engage, um, yeah, a 10 month engagement. Um, and we would meet monthly to basically discuss the wedding and what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it. And in that we, we basically drew up like a budget sheet, got a bunch of costs down, got a final figure, figured out how much like our parents were contributing And then from there, kind of divvied out the rest. Right at the start, um, obviously, after you kind of celebrate the, yay, we got, you know, she said yes. (laughs) We obviously had to then crunch into the numbers and look seriously. 
Um, and so she agreed to like put aside a certain amount a month. And so did I. Um, and because I basically opened up a savings account for the engagement, I then used that same the same savings account to open up, to basically save for the honeymoon, which I'd, I said I'd pay for myself. And then we basically, so then basically she said, oh, I'll open up the savings account and we can do use that one for the wedding, for the, for the funds that we were going to save in like codependently. So I was like, okay, cool. That, that works out. So, she, so I ended up putting like a direct debit or a standing order, whatever it is, standing order into her account each month, which I'd set aside to pay in addition to what I was saving, obviously for the honeymoon. Um, and then she said that over that 10 months, she would put aside like 350 pounds um, and that was basically that plus obviously what our, both of our parents generously put in basically paid for the wedding. That was the amount that we'd needed, if that made sense. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the plan. And then every month we discussed how we were doing and the conversations went by like, have we done X, you know, say we were going to go away and research X or whatever, or have we spoken to this supplier, we would obviously touch base on that and any updates um, and then when it came to the finances, obviously, because all the funds were going into the, her account, which was in her name, I basically was like, oh, how's the saving going? Um, because I was very aware that she was basically a freelance teacher, which because I'd done that previously, I knew it's quite fluid. Like it's very up and down dependent on the month, um, the, like for different reasons. Um, you know, you can earn quite drastically different on one month than you can on another. So I was obviously very sensitive to that and vocalized it. Um, so I was like, yeah, how, how is your saving going? And she was every month she was like, yep, yeah, I'm on track. And so I, I was like, sweet. So that's how we kind of did the engagement period and lead up to the wedding, like just touch base every month. So just to clarify, just to make sure I fully heard what you said, did you say all the money that you were saving towards the wedding? So the 500 and her 300 that was going into her account under her name. Is that right? Yeah, in her savings account, because I had another savings account for the honeymoon, if that makes sense. And just to clarify, so with the 350 that she was saving every month, um, did she say that, okay, yeah, this is a great number for me, I can definitely afford it, or... I basically said to her, how much can you save a month? And she said 350. Yeah. And I was like, is that a comfortable 350, or is it a stretch? And she was like, no, 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 that's like very comfortable, I could maybe do more. And I was like, okay, cool. I see, I see. So when it comes to organising the wedding, like planning the catering, um, uh, the production, et cetera, et cetera, who was the main person behind that? Well, I, as a job, I'm, I, I work creatively and I basically design lots of things, including events. And so yeah. Yeah. it was very much in my remit of like, oh, it could be like this and it could be like, like this. As a musician, she took the lead on a lot of like, audible components and a lot of the catering components and then I took on a lot of like the aesthetic obviously then she sort mm. of address bridesmaids yada, yada yada all that kind of stuff um whereas I kind of was probably a bit more primal with like oh this is a venue, good venue idea da, 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 da. on that like our parents were like very generous and so like you know her parents paid for the venue um so like you know there was big costs that our parents like took in my parents paid for a heck of a lot of a lot of stuff too Right. Okay. I'm sorry. Just have this conversation. It just brings me back to <laughs> February 2020 when we had our wedding and everything that was going on and parents getting involved, etc. Did you have an overall budget for your wedding? Like, how much was everything going to cost altogether? We did a few things differently. Yeah, we split it up across a few different days. Uh, like there was a traditional component and there was like a legal kind of component. 
So there's like almost like three weddings. Ooh, sounds a lot like ours. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Go on. How much did it come up to in total? Like 30, 35K. Wow, okay. For three weddings, that's actually not that bad. I actually thought that was quite good. <laughs> oh, wow. So three, three separate weddings. So you had a traditional, you mean traditional as in a traditional English wedding or traditional from um, a different part of the world type of wedding? Different part of the world. Um, it was kind of like a personal dinner, but like a bit more extravagant. And then, yeah, we did like a legal kind of wedding where I grew up. So up north. Um, and then more of like actual kind of celebration, kind of, I don't know, vows and stuff. And another day, if that makes sense. So it was like three. Wow. Yeah. Because that's exactly what, well, similar to what we've had. And how many weddings did we have? Babe, we had about 100. We had a traditional Nigerian. We had an English wedding. We then had the blessing, like the church blessing. Oh, that's uh, very expensive. Like my pockets were just bleeding at the end of this. But right, okay, sorry. Back to back to your wedding. Let me not talk about mine too much. Um, so whilst you guys were um organizing all of this, so did she seem ex- like what was her general attitude? Did she seem like excited about the wedding? Did you see her spending on like or talking about her her dress and like spending on, you know, shoes and things like that? Did did you see her spend on anything regarding the wedding? Yeah, she was genuinely very excited about it. Um, you know, all of the friends and family were very excited. She was very invested. So it, yeah, she seemed excited. She was she seemed all in. So that was that was obviously confidence inducing. <laughs> How did you discover that um she wasn't being honest with like her savings and how much money she was putting away for the wedding? Yeah, so two weeks before I went to basically pay with the card for the like the savings account um for catering. And in my head, there should have been um, about 4K there left to pay, um, left in kind of in the amount, if that makes sense, in the in the savings account. And the card declined. And I just didn't know if it was like too many transactions or like, I don't know, I don't know, security thing. So I um, messaged her and I was like, hey, this is just declined. Like, do you know why? She didn't reply for like an hour, which was not like her. And it was like her day off. So I was like very confused. So then I messaged her again. I was like, is everything okay? um still no reply I tried to call her the call didn't go through and then I got a text and like there's no money left and I was so um and luckily it was like (laughs) the guy was really nice so like it wasn't an issue but I was just like oh I'm gonna have to pay tomorrow is that all right and he's like yeah yeah cool and then I said to I tried to call her again again it didn't go through as in like decline the call and I was like what do you mean there's no money left and she was just and she just said there's no money left in the account. And I was like, show me the statement. And at that point, my stomach started to drop because I was like, obviously I'm quite detailed, like I said. So I was like, this doesn't make sense. And we're bearing in mind we're two weeks before. So like people have booked flights from America, from Australia, like different places to come. So I'm like, uh, send me the statement. I look at the statement. On the day that we're talking about, as in on the day that the card declined, um, she transferred 100 pounds. And before that, all I saw was my standing orders over 10 months. So every single month, it wasn't even like 50 quid, nothing. She just sent me a statement on my message because she wouldn't take my calls. So obviously I was feeling a whole bag of emotions, confusion, like confusion being the biggest one at this point, because I was like, this doesn't make sense. So just to clarify, how can, so even if you're putting your 500 pounds in her account, 
how is there still no money at all? So does that mean that she took out your money that you're putting in as well? No, because basically we'd, we'd pay for some stuff, but obviously if she'd put in, if she was meant to put in 350 quid in over 10 months. That would have been three and a half grand. Yeah. So in my head, right. three and a half to four grand left, right? Because I was, yeah. was that amount which we'd agreed 10 months ago. So... The, the amount I was, I was trying to pay for was like two grand or something. In my head, it would have been a safe, obviously, confirmation, but clearly not. Yeah, there would have been about £500 left in there. Wow. So during this time, like every time you have your monthly money conversations, she'll be saying, yeah, I've put the money in, etc. There was no indication that something was up or something was going on at the time. No, and because, like I said earlier about the freelance thing, like I'm very sensitive to it and I understand it can be very flippant. Mm. I was always like, yo, like, are you on track? It's all good if not, like, I get it. And she was like, nope. No, I was just going to say, how did you guys eventually speak or did she eventually answer your call or did you go over there and demand that she open the door? Or I was fuming when I kind of fully registered what was going on. Um, and I think she came around to, she, she obviously just been putting off trying to call me, but... I just said, we need to talk about this. Um, so the next day we met up and basically I was like, what's going on? And she was like in floods of tears. And I, I basically was, what I learned is that she struggled in the first few months, but kept thinking, oh, it's fine. Like I'll, I'll, I'll get there. But then over time it became this thing where it was like, now it's been like six months and I've not done anything. How do I bring this up? And I said this to her, I was like, every single time I've been like, it's fine. Like, even if you put in, in like 25 pounds or 50 pounds, like it's something. And so she, like, she apologized, obviously. Um, and a few of my friends turned around and was like, are you sure you want to marry her at this point? Because like, it, it was, it was not even like a small lie. It's like two weeks before, like, what do you do? Because it's not like you can push back, you'd lose thousands because it's, it's in a couple of weeks. You can't, you can't just push that back. So yeah, I, like I looked into everything. I tried to get a loan, but because I'd already like taken debt out to try and pay for the honeymoon, like my a loan, did, like, obviously my request got declined. Like, so I was really like stuck. Um, and she didn't want to tell anyone. Like, she didn't want to tell her family because she felt embarrassed. So my mom ended up just come, like stepping in and like, basically she was just like, I'll cover it. Like I'll cover the three and a half K. Um, and so basically my mum bailed her out. Wow, your parents are very, very, very kind. The agreement was basically like, you're going to have to pay this back. Like this is, you know, this is something that you committed to. This is like um, a loan from someone. Like you have to pay this back. Irregardless if it's my mum or not, like you have to. Because obviously I, originally the plan was get a loan out from a bank or something. Um, and she wouldn't have been able to with obviously her financial situation. So I just... Mm this back like this is your responsibility so so yeah going from how you're feeling at the moment did you feel you could trust her again um i felt like it was important and we and we like you know we we'd gone for like um you know that church did like marriage kind of like marriage prep kind of counseling like pre-marriage counseling thing just to kind of like talk mm. about things and that was obviously like i basically called a session because i was like well we need to talk about this and we need to mediate it because i knew that i was so mad that it was just better getting like some people, like people who had helped us along the way already, like just like with communication and stuff, which obviously, you know, this is a big deal. Um, so I like a session and we like discussed it through and she essentially, yeah, in that session, basically apologized loads, said that she'd like really work at it. And it was obviously a big issue for her. Um, and she, you know, promised to do what she said she'd do and pay it back and, 
make sure she'd never kind of do anything like this again. So at that point, I felt a bit more confident, you know, it was a massive blow, bearing in mind this person since I was like in my early teens. So like, I thought I knew this person so well. So, um, yeah. but we're two weeks before a wedding, which is also very, very stressful. So you just, I was like, I have to believe that this one snag, which in that moment was huge, don't get me wrong, but I had to believe that the person who I wanted to spend the rest of my life with was that person that I'd fallen in love with. That makes sense. And so in that, choose to forgive and believe that she wouldn't do it again. Like believe, take her word for it. Like I think that's important. And I think like just to add, because I remember like going through our own wedding, like a lot of sacrifices where I feel like I made a lot of sacrifices in terms of cutting my costs accordingly. And so sometimes I would fume or sometimes that, oh, I'm not going shopping. And then maybe you see your other half. I know you're not sitting right there in front of me talking about me right now, saying that you're making sacrifices. Well, you think I didn't... Okay, anyway. anyway. Let's move on before we start domestics. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say, um, Jack, is that did you make any sacrifices... Um, to make sure the wedding got to where it did uh, alongside the wedding prep. Yeah, mate, I didn't have a life for 10 months. I basically, like, you know, like, I was struggling. I was not on a big salary. I was definitely struggling and I was mad passionate because I wanted it to be what we were speaking about for 10 months. So I, I was living, like, by myself in Croydon, like, a, on a, I don't know, like a studio apartment. And so I, like, changed. I, like, room shared in a, this house in Peckham so that I was, like, I just, I just tried oh. to basically shorten all my costs as much as possible. I very rarely went out for socialising. Um, I would kind of just like hang out at a friend's place instead of like going out. Like I said earlier, I am a bit intense. So I just looked at every every possible area, any kind of saving, any area where I could just kind of squirrel away or like do a cheaper option, I definitely would. Um, yeah, I, I bent backwards. And that's what was even more infuriating, to be honest. Because I'm like, even... I would have felt fine. I, well, no, not fine. I would have felt a bit better if I'd looked at that two weeks before and should at least put in like £25 a month. And obviously that wouldn't have covered like the practical costs. But I think emotionally and from a trust perspective, I would have been like, mm. you know what? She might have been a bit embarrassed. So over 10 months, she didn't say anything, but at least she tried. I think seeing zero for 10 months other than the day that I'd found out was even more of a disrespect because it's like, you had a spare five pounds, like just whack it in. Like it's more, it's more like what your focus and your intention is at that point, more than like just nothing, you know? So yeah, I think going off your like sacrificing, yes, I did. And I think that was even more annoying. And obviously naturally, like I'm human, I was fuming. That kind of stuff was circling around my head. And I was like, you've literally taken me for a fool, you know? But yeah. With all of that, um, and you know everything that happened how was the actual wedding day were you still as happy as you had imagined or were you like maybe deep down a little bit sad or still angry if I'm totally honest I feel like after that moment um there was a bit more wariness for me because you know there's we're talking years right of knowing someone I would have never I would have never better that like you know my ex-partner would ever do that to me ever so naturally, of course, I'm going to actively choose to forgive and move on and trust and actively be like proactive in choosing, but I'm human. So there was a little bit of like, what's going to happen now is, you know, is there going to be another thing like that? Is finances going to become an issue? 
Um, but irrespective of that, the wedding kind of was it like beautiful day. Like having all your people around you, good food, good vibes. It was it was a great day. Um, and I definitely wouldn't like. I don't regret anything about that day either. Like I think it's very. It was very beautiful, and you know, it was it was great. It was a great day. Um, but yeah, naturally, there there are definitely moments, and going into it, there was definitely moments where that was at the back of my mind. And I also felt quite practically, my hands were quite tied with what what are we going to do? How can you push this back when people have literally just landed from overseas? And I guess like I guess in just rounding is like so what? How did things end up? Cause I know you said it's your ex partner. Like how did things unravel? How did the, was the money settled? How, what happened? Yeah, so we had a very short marriage, if I'm totally honest, and we we separated for a couple of reasons. Um, one of them was definitely this finance issue; like it didn't go away. Um, it basically, you know, a few like three months into like living together and like sharing a rent, I paid the entire rent all three months. Wow. Um, and every time it was like, you know, oh, I'm trying, I'm, I'm getting this job, or I've got this, and I'm teaching this person, but they just haven't paid me yet, and it was just very unstable. Um, which are obviously practical things that you can work through long term. There were other reasons why we like separated too. Um, but yeah, within about nine nine months, I yeah I turn around and it, it just wasn't right for a lot of reasons. Um, not purely just the finances. I do want to stress that because I do think that's a practical thing that you you, you know you can work through. Um, we just weren't compatible for a few other reasons. So I was like, listen, I want you know I want a divorce. Um, and I said, I'm happy to pay for this divorce in full because yes, you know, I want the divorce or whatever, but also because I'd rather you focus on paying my mum back. She essentially gave you three and a half K because you lied about it for 10 months. You've said that you would, that was, that was one of the agreements that you said you'd do. Can you just do that? And I'll just, I'll clear the divorce. I'll sort that out. Bearing in mind, there was also no inappropriate behavior like no you know I, I didn't cheat she didn't cheat there was nothing like that there was no necessarily like villain and victim in this scenario we just kind of weren't compatible at all um and she agreed that divorce was the right route um and so she said yeah okay if you're going to pay for the divorce um I'll pay your mum back so I mean it's however many years on about three years on the divorce is paid for complete she hasn't paid my mum back. And uh, when I chased her about a year later, she said, no, I'm not going to pay your mum back because um, the wedding was so expensive because you chose what it looked like. Ooh. Which is, is more like me. Yeah, if it was my money, I'd be like, you know what? Maybe she's hurt. Maybe she's embarrassed. Maybe she's it's a vendetta against me. It's not my money, though. It's, it's like my family's money. So for me, that was just respectful given like my mum did loads for her as well aside from this um so yeah that that for me has been like that's quite a blow because as I said I don't know who this person is at this point and obviously like naturally whenever there's any kind of separation married or not there's heaps of hurt sometimes bitterness and everyone's human right and we all have a right to to feel things and maybe when we're hurting the best side of us don't come out wow that's a that's quite a Bitter ending, it seems, which is very, very, very unfortunate, especially when you had such... I mean, of course, your wedding wasn't as you... um, The circumstances leading up to the wedding wasn't as you'd imagined, but you said the wedding in itself was a lovely day. So it's quite quite unfortunate that things ended up that way. Um, 
just on a slightly separate note, how much did you have to pay for the divorce altogether? I'm just trying to get an idea of in the last, like, I think it was a year and a half that you guys were together, how much you'd actually spent on everything. Because it seems like you spent quite a lot on quite a lot. So how much was the divorce? Divorce for me actually wasn't as expensive because it was very amicable. We didn't have any like mortgage together. There was no joint financial assets. So like it was quite a clean mm. break, which was very good. So it meant that solicitor fees were really, really low. So I ended up paying, I think it was just over a grand and a half. But that is actually cheap for a divorce. But um, yeah, because obviously as well, it wasn't like inappropriate behavior and no one cheated and anything like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a messy one. It was quite complicit. Mm. So yeah, I was kind of lucky in that regard. But still, I mean, no one wants to pay £1,600 on a piece of paper. I guess in, in looking back in hindsight, when you look, look back and just reevaluate everything now, do you ever feel you placed an unreasonable expectation on her for the big for having a big wedding for the fact that she turned around and made that statement that saying you wanted the wedding was so i'm not paying it back i don't think so i i do marinate over a lot and i'm like how how could i've done this better or did you know was what could i have done to maybe helped or like even practically to maybe i don't know i don't know what more i could have done from the financial perspective other than what i did like check in make sure there was no pressure either way da, da, da. when it comes to the actual wedding day um I was really transparent with how much, uh, I obviously know how much a lot of things cost from an event perspective. People obviously invite things for weddings. So I'd already tried to like gone down the other route of trying to get costs down. Um, but the reality is I've never like, I was never once like trying to like turn her hand towards any component. So I was like, oh, we could do this. or we could do this. What do you think about this? And she, all the, all, all the way, she was like, yeah, that sounds great. And if there was ever a thing where it was like, I'm not sure, which I'm trying to think. I actually can't think of one thing. Like, on the aesthetic side, she kind of was like, well, you do that for a job. I trust you. So I was like, okay, cool. Mm. Whenever I would show her stuff, you know, Pinterest did me so much for weddings. Whenever I would show her stuff, it'd be like, yeah, that looks awesome. <laughs> so that's what, that's why when that comment came back, I was like really trying to understand. And I, and I went back and I, I questioned it. I was like, what do you mean? She, I don't think she really responded. She was just like, I'm not paying. I think she was just adamant that she's not paying it. But essentially it was something along the lines of no, like, you know, you planned everything anyway. So it was, it was what you wanted. Um, and I, and at that point I was like, yeah, but we charted about everything. Like we, we planned this whole thing together. I didn't have any say over food. And so do you know what I mean? Like it was like, it was a combined effort. And I was like, was there something you weren't happy with <clears throat> or would have done differently? And she was like, no, like I was happy with the day. And then, so I was kind of like, well, was there anything that caught you by surprise? And she was like, no. So at that point I was like, well, you know, we both have responsibility to pay for it then because we both were happy going to it. We didn't <laughs> surprises, you know? And fundamentally she, it was her that said, I can commit to this amount every month. No, I really respect you, um, Jack, because I feel like the the me would have probably pursued them for that 3K on the, because I don't know, I feel like sometimes the narrative is, is that the guy's the villain and he's the one that um, sometimes messes up when it comes to, so I would, I don't know, the me, like, I don't know, maybe out of bitterness I would have pursued it and say, you, you owe you owe 3K, I want the money. I was done. At this point, I was like, you know what? I feel like I've been like spent even emotionally trying to navigate this. Mm. 
the marriage was so small, and yet all the stress around it was went on for way more months than even than even the marriage did. And so by mm-hmm. that point, I was just like, you know what, separations are hard enough. Um, we had so many mutual friends as well. It was just mad awkward. I would only ever do this if it wasn't anonymous because I've never been trying to out here to bash her name. Nothing about me is public with this. Like only a small group of like my close friends would even know about it. And obviously, like I could, I could be petty. I could, do, I could have done a lot and been petty about a lot. And so the the reason why I think is key to do this is that there's practical things that you can still love a person and still put base to just keep your, yourselves accountable. Looking back, I wish I'd just been like, yo, let's both together bring like bank statements to every meeting so we know we're both on track. And it's not like, because I don't trust you. And obviously it sounds like I'm saying that from my perspective, from what I've been through, but I just think it's just, it keeps accountability because you're about, you're gonna have to do that when you get married anyway. So you might as well just start in your you know, engagement period because I don't know, and other people are super different. Some people are really transparent with finances. For some reason, like I, I, a lot of my friends and like my family aren't massively open about it. And it's not like a dark, evil issue, but I just, I just don't think some people feel comfortable talking about it quite flippantly and openly. Um, and that was just the scenario between me and my ex-partner. Um, and so because of that, even more so, I think there needs to be open discussions. And I just wish, you know, I not I hadn't taken a word for it because that suggests like, I wish I hadn't trusted her because that's not, no one wants a relationship where they can't trust their partner. What's the point? But um, there could have been practical, easy things where we're just like, yo, let's both commit just to bring a bank statement every every time we meet about the wedding, so we can see that you know we're, we're both on track. I just wish I wish I'd done that because I think that could have saved a lot of that could have prevented a lot of issues maybe. And like I did say, I think it was stunning and it was beautiful and there was great memories from it. And I do choose to still you know hold on to the memories. They're not tarnished because it didn't work out. But maybe there had been some practical things, really easy things as well, that could have prevented a lot of the, yeah. Wow, Jack, I honestly, I respect you. I have so much respect from you um, in terms of like, you know, the tips that you've given us. And it it really sounds like um, you've come to terms with the situation and like you've healed from it as well. Um, Yeah, and I, I commend you. I feel like I've learned so much myself what about um you nick and eve no no honestly jack i we really 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 appreciate you uh coming here because i feel like it's a different type of narrative and it's one that's not spoken about enough i think um someone's unconscious bias will hear this story and they would think that maybe it's the man that's done this stuff if you know what i mean and i think um it just kind of puts it on a level playing field it can happen to anyone and anyone can do it so it's very very important that both parties work hard to over communicate but no i really really appreciate you for coming on and and just sharing your wisdom no thanks i mean i don't know if it's wisdom no definitely wisdom (laughs) i appreciate it no i appreciate the space you create and i think it's really important i love what you guys are doing so i'm um i'm glad to have been able to i don't know share what i've been through hopefully it prevents anything like this happens anyone else that would be the that would be the great thing wow 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 i don't know i don't know what to say like jack has really humbled me because i don't know like i can just sense there's like this sort of like peace about him he's calm he's moved on from the situation he's healed i'm even i'm angry for him i guess like we can definitely learn a thing or two from what he said but you know 
let's kind of get into the questions. I've got a few questions for um, everyone. I think um, Nick and Eve, you guys can really provide some colour on this, considering that, you know, you guys have gone through the marriage process. So um, in terms of what, like, um, Jack has been through, do you think it's possible to rebuild financial trust after something like this? Um, I think, oh, I don't know why I breathed in so deeply. I think, yes, you can. But of course, <laughs> um, I think it's relatively similar to cheating on, like uh, physically cheating on someone when someone um, like financially cheats on you. And wh- wh- what I mean is that y- you can still re- rebuild that trust, but it does take um, a lot of active steps. So for me, if someone had done something like that for me, to, to me, and from my personal experiences, it couldn't just be like, okay, I, I've changed, believe me, like, I'll never do it again. I would have to see them making active steps to prove to me that they've changed. So they would need to be very transparent with their finances. Like, I would be, I would prefer that they open up, like, like statements and, and show me and be like, oh, do you know what, okay, I'm going to save this, this and this amount this month and look, this is what I'm spending on this and et cetera, et cetera. Similar to how if someone had cheated on me, I would expect them to like open up their emails and, and like be open with um, any female friends that they have, like tell me about them and, you know, ex- introduce me to this. Like, you know, don't lie about this. They have to, they have to show that they're willing to make changes um, themselves as well. So yeah, it definitely can be done. What do you guys think? No, I, I don't. Uh, you know what? I don't, yes or no. I think you'd always have a target behind, or you have something in the back of your mind. You may not fully uh, trust the person with uh, things. I think you can move forward, but you always use that as a marker to kind of make certain decisions. As in, like, now you know what the person is capable of, so you just have that in the back of your mind consciously. Yeah, I see what you mean. What about you, Ash? Um. I don't know. That's, you know, when it comes to money, I don't mess around. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know me. I'm like, I'm a bit of an overthinker. I, do you know? I'll just be having bad dreams every day. Like I, whenever I have a like, if I have a bad dream, it's usually about what I've experienced during the day. I'll just be having. Ba- I don't know. I won't be able to sleep. Would I be able to rebuild financial trust? I don't know. We'd have to go to counselling, or maybe I, be- I become a born again, or something like that. Would I cancel the wedding? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If I was like rich, rich, then yeah, I'd cancel the wedding. Oh, because you don't care if you're... <laughs> if I was rich, rich, I don't care. If I was rich, rich, I'd cancel the wedding. So, you know, by the grace of God, I'll be rich, rich by the time I get married. But I don't know. I think that'd be really difficult. We'd have to go through some extensive um, counselling. We'd both have to get rebaptized, seek God. <laughs> because it's only God that can help me rebuild the financial trust. I don't think I have it within my power to do that by myself, to be honest with you. I think what I will say is that a wedding is a very stressful time. It's like, it's not a normal period in a relationship. Like there's there was an, am I wrong in saying there was a look at the number of times we argued and and fought because of the we fought more times in the five years we've been together during those uh, six seven months leading up to the wedding, whether it's like um, overspending on my suit or um, or the division of who's paying for what, even when we decided stuff, it's like. Yeah, so it's quite, it's a very um, slippery 
area that dis- natural distrust can happen between uh, a couple. Mm, it's true. And um, would you say that during that period, it's like you're not thinking straight either? Yeah, you're not thinking straight because it's like you're not. You may not. You may be logging heads with your other half. You may also be logging heads with your parents. You're you're fight. You may be fighting with a lot of different people. So you're not. I don't think you're your your normal self. Mm, I saw the worst of so many different people during the time of my wedding. I was just like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over, man, because this is just too stressful. It's just, I just want everyone to just go away and leave me alone. Oh, dear, I'm so glad it's done. But no, I completely agree, man. A wedding is just a completely different mindset. You're a different person during that time period. I think the most important thing you can do is communicate. And the thing about when I say communicate... Verbal communication doesn't mean anything. Like, it needs to be written down. You know, you need to put it in the diary because it's so easy because of how fast-paced life is that where's the audit trail in the relationship? It's just he said, she said. Especially when it comes to weddings, you need to write stuff down. So I think it's being clear, it's written communication that's needed when you guys are discussing finances and planning stuff, not just verbal, you know? Um, and I think it's addressing the problem. Like, is it a job loss or whatever? Is it uh, unexpected bills that are causing someone to lie about how the situation really, really is? Um, and I think the, the final thing you can do is seek counsel, whether it's a professional counsellor, whether it is that you go to, to, to do like go back to marriage prep at the end of the day when you are going through the process of relationship prep is always important in some capacity or if you even if you can't find a counsellor it, it may be a case of um, seeking a third independent independent party that both people trust that you can discuss these problems with to add on to what you're saying because the story does sound I know we've moved on but it does sound a bit like there's like a deeper rooted problem there. Um, not necessarily within her, but maybe the way she perceived him, like maybe she felt like that she couldn't be open and express herself properly re- with regards to the amount that um, she was able to put in. Even her expectations for the wedding, it seems like she just seemed to like agree with everything, but didn't actually or didn't feel comfortable enough to be open about how things really are. Not necessarily because it's any one of their faults. Maybe that's how she always has been and she's just always felt uncomfortable um, being open about things like that. I don't know if it's their relationship dynamic. I have absolutely no idea. But yeah, just just to add to that, regarding communication, if this is someone that you want to spend the rest of your life with, you should be 100% comfortable to tell them anything. And if that's not how you feel about your partner, then you have to reconsider, is this someone that... I'm ready to marry. So you, you guys heard it, guys. Um, really hope you've gotten something from this episode. And as always, if you have a story you want to share, you want to get something off your chest, please do slide into our DMs. Thank you. You've just listened to another episode of the Your Real Money Stories podcast. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. You've just listened to an episode of Your Real Money Stories, an original podcast brought to you in association with Zopa. Who provide great value financial products and tools to make managing your money a lot easier. 
So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends who you think might have related to this episode. For more information and resources around the themes discussed in this episode, head over to zopa.com forward slash podcast. And of course, if you want to be in the next episode, make sure you slide into our DMs on Instagram at moneymedics.